Welcome to the Dishes and Welcome Dimes podcast. Sarah, um, how are you doing, Sarah? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I mean, the NBA's back. It's really, I'm quite surprised how excited I am just when I've been such a skeptic about this working. Yeah, that's my thing. Like, I have this um, mixed feeling of this shouldn't be happening, but also, oh my God, <laughs> the Raptors are back on the court again. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's it's hard not to enjoy the fun of it because we obviously love basketball and we love the NBA. Um, so it's impossible not to get into sort of the, the infectious excitement, but then I keep remembering, like, I do have this nagging feeling of, oh my God, like it takes people in Florida two to five days to get their test results for the coronavirus and NBA players get them within hours. And I get like, this is more than just like, it's not really the NBA's fault. It's the messed up American healthcare system, right? Like they're just people with more resources, get better healthcare. And the NBA obviously has a responsibility to its players, so it's giving them good health care. But it's yeah. just sort of, it's a pretty stark situation watching that be like, oh my God, epicenter. So I, 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 yeah, I'm glad we're giving that a bit of a shout out, honestly, because I think it's good to remember like that the world's pretty messed up, but I guess we get our joy where we can. Yeah. Um, so before we get into our weekly dishes, first, we want to give a huge thanks to all of our recent patrons. Um, we just opened a Patreon account for the Dishes and Dimes podcast uh, about, I think it was like four days ago or something. Um, and we had a lot of supporters come in, um, show their support, um, subscribe as patrons. So I, we suggest everyone check out that um, Patreon slash Dishes and Dimes um, to see how they can support and to see if they're interested in the perks that uh, subscribers are given. I think uh, Sarah has a list of the, uh, we're going to name off the first uh, 15 patrons. And then next show, we will name the rest. So thanks so much to the 37 of you who have so far um, put some financial support to Dishes and Dimes. We really appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed your uh, special first episode of the um, Dishes and Dimes Patreon. That. Yeah. Oh, my God. Kyle Lowry's mom, Marie Holloway, giving kind of an exclusive to us. Really exciting. She was so lovely. Uh, really great. So anyway, our first uh, 15 people we want to shout out. Um, Asad Alvi, Kendra Shields, Danish Zahir, Kent Hansen, Christopher Bridgen, Nassim Ali, Sarah McDonald, Jen, Jerome Chang, Rob Senta, Kendra Shields, Kieran Singh, Chrissy Myers, Suleiman Akbari, and Natalie Wagner. So thank you so much for your support. And thank you to everyone else who supported who will get to hear themselves shouted out next time. So um, let's get into the weekly dishes. I think the first one we should discuss is the scrimmages that um, have come back. Um, so a scrimmage is somehow even less important than a preseason game. Um, so what do you think of the layout with the, with the screens, no fans? Um, a lot of people were complaining about audio quality um, from the broadcasts where it's, it's weird, but it's as if you can hear a loop of sneakers hitting hardwood while the commentators are speaking. And it's like as if they're putting it in as a sound effect and it's 
really annoying, but um, generally, I actually did not mind the viewing experience as much as I thought I would. Like, it kind of felt like a summer league game or a, a preseason game. Like, it didn't feel too weird. And I feel like um, when the actual reseeding games begin and when the playoffs begin, they'll kind of up the ante and make it even better in terms of um, uh, camera angles and just the general quality of the broadcast. So what did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll full disclosure that the Raptors-Rockets uh, scrimmage was the only one I watched in full. I saw snippets of a handful of others. Um, certainly heard a lot about it. I... I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. Like like you, it's a lot more like summer league. I thought, um, though you know, obviously with some special touches. Um, I enjoyed that, like the Black Lives Matter messaging on the court. Yeah. Um, I thought it you know lots of squeaker squeaking. Um, <laughs> thought it was pretty fun that you could hear a little bit more of the talk. Um, obviously, I don't think they want us to hear that much of it because the players you know can use some pretty foul language and. I guess probably the broadcasters wouldn't be super excited um, on network TV for people to be hearing that. But um, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And in particularly with the Raptors, Raptors game, like I quite enjoyed that they had, because it was supposedly a Raptors home game, right? Right. I, yeah, technically. <laughs> <laughs> I quite enjoyed that they had that music that they play as the Raptors are joining the court, that like synthesizer sounding kind of music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it kind of got me hyped a little bit to have yeah. those, like, signifiers. Uh, I enjoyed that. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Like, I've been reading a lot about it and listening to others talk about it. And they are doing, the NBA is doing a lot of experimenting during this phase. So, you know, apparently, I think, was it the, um, oh, gosh, which game was it? Maybe one of the, the, the Heat game where they started putting, like, the fan Yeah, pictures? that was the game, yeah. God. That's hilarious. So, they were they were blown up, so they did not look like regular sized humans. So you know, <laughs> these giant guys cheering over these players, like it was very it, visually, it was kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, it, but I you know I think it's I think it's fun that they're just trying to do stuff to make the listening and watching yeah, experience yeah. fun for like it's it's more interesting to me to have them trying stuff like that and fine tuning and make the experience because you know that's a big part of the NBA as much as like we all like to say oh we love basketball um and yeah sure some lot of diehards would still watch no matter what but if you want part of the fun experience of basketball the NBA is the music and the show it's like it's a show right basically yeah yeah it's not just a game yeah. um so I think it's it's pretty fun that they're trying to do stuff for us um yeah. I, I was reading somewhere like a journalist um asked Lou Will like what he thought like because I think some of the games too they were playing like for the home team um you know let's go and you clippers and and you know defense here, yeah. <laughs> like typing in actually what I heard is it's actual arena sounds in the sound mix that they're bringing in sounds from the home arenas um and fan noise which is kind of cool um and I think Lou Will said, you know, once we're really in the game, we don't really hear that. It's not really for us, I don't think, which is probably true. I mean, it's I think it's more for us. I don't know what you think about that, but yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like he. I feel like it's a harder um, question for a Clipper player to answer, <laughs> <laughs> considering the state of their home arena already. Like, Fair. I feel like a missing home crowd is a bigger deal when you're. Um, the Raptors or the Celtics, like, 
or the Lakers, like that matters. <laughs> like, so did you think like I think it was Pascal. I think it. I think yeah. it was Pascal who said that um, the the empty arena reminded him of some of the arenas he plays in. <laughs> like, yeah, that was hilarious. I guess he's a little dig in. So speaking of Pascal, I think it was Sean Woodley on his podcast, Lockdown Raptors, about how um, what to look out for. Um, when watching a scrimmage of this, you know, because it doesn't really matter. So you kind of have to keep an eye out for something that's not really related to winning or losing. So um, I I was looking out for Gasol, but he did not play. Um, I think Nick Nurse, uh, if there was a matchup to sit out Marc Gasol, it was probably the um, Rockets matchup since they don't really play a traditional big. Um, so instead, I just kept an eye out for um, Pascal and Kyle, and they both look great. Um, passing was a little off. You kind of lose that chemistry yeah. with your team a little bit. You you kind of um, uh, lack that anticipation that you build over the course of um, the season. So, yeah, I saw some butterfingers. But other than that, everyone looks pretty fit. Everyone looks ready. Looks like the most, their old selves. They kind of just played with the same identity that we're used to seeing them play with, which was cool. Um, and not only that, but they were going all out. Like, I watched the um, Lakers-Dallas matchup uh, a couple of days prior, and LeBron was going all out. Like, he was he was breaking a sweat. So it's clear that the contending teams are, are, like, really taking this seriously, even if it's a scrimmage. Like, to them, it's an opportunity to secure the hardware. So um, what did you notice watching um, the Raptors scrimmage in particular? Yeah, I think, like you said, like there was the expected sloppiness a little bit, especially at the beginning of the game. Um, you know, Pascal, I think, had five turnovers. Better than I thought. Um, Kyle and Serge were really sharp, I thought. And Serge, I mean, his passing has gotten so much better. There was one pass he did to a cutting OG uh, right. when he got, got a dunk. And that was just really fun to see. It's like, would you have thought like two, three years ago, Serge Ibaka was going <laughs> to... Absolutely not. Like he actually added like a whole new wrinkle to his game so late in his in his career. He's already in his early like his he's approaching, you know, that age for big men. Um to see him still like adding offensive skill to his game, especially since he's not really the shot blocker or the defender that we used to know. So to see him finding value elsewhere is really, really, really cool. And I think it it stems from playing with Mark Gasol ultimately. Right. I know. I guess the the other big observation I had. I mean, God love Kyle Lowry. God bless him. He yeah. he takes a he takes a charge against James Harden, just like uh, in the All Star game, making it fun. <laughs> and like he does a half court, well, not a half court buzzer beater, but a buzzer beater, a buzzer beating three to end the the um, go into the half. He's ready. Fist pumping. He's ready. He's ready. Pumping like like Kyle. Like God love him. Like he just makes every wants to win. Um, I was just, he had me so hyped by the end that I was like, totally overreacting. We're going back to back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, no, um, someone mentioned that um, the beginning of every season, Kyle Lowry looks like a borderline MVP candidate. Like he's in full health. <laughs> um, he's ready. Usually his body breaks down by like spring. But right, right. Um, the fact that we're getting like early season Kyle Lowry now after like a four month break is pretty phenomenal. Like the timing works out perfectly for the Raptors because um, their aging players like have gotten this huge rest. And the thing right. with um, veteran players is that they know how to keep their body in shape during this time of the off season. So to see them back and playing at such a high level is super reassuring, especially for the leader of your team to look so ready. It kind of keeps the younger players in line, which is cool. 
Exactly. And I, I think also what was also the la the other thing really fabulous about this was seeing how great the bench did. You know, they got a lot of minutes at the end. No one, I think a lot of players played more than 20 minutes and it was like OG at like 23 and Fred at 21 or something. And um, so we got to see a lot of run from them and I was like bench mob 2.0 and, <laughs> you know, the bu the Bucks can try to use the bench mob all they want, but we all know the Raptors have the original <laughs> bench mob and Terrence Davis was like so much fun. Um, and, and I also just really loved seeing, and this is, I think something I, it's going to be really important for all the teams in the bubble. The Raptors, like, as we know, have a lot of bench celebrators and energy. Um, we've got a lot of really hyped up guys that are invested in the game and we, and I, you know, I think that's going to matter to doing well. You need that energy boost. And so people, like teams that are together, teams that are having fun, teams that are loud um, are going to have... no audience, yeah. Especially yeah. no audience is going to be quite significant. Yeah. And I, I mean, um, I, yeah. So anyway, I think that will be interesting. I just, to add to that, I was just hearing that Boston, I think I, it might have been, I think it was either Boston or Philly, but the coach remarked about how quiet their guys were. And how I mean, uh, Brad Stevens. Yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah. So, you know, I find that interesting. So anyway, we'll see if that actually plays out to mean anything. But. Yeah. Spe speaking of what Brad Stevens said, for those who didn't see, um, he basically said that um, his players are more quiet and in a quiet arena. It's the lack of communication is pretty noticeable. Whereas um, I, I, I would argue that I'm trying to think of the loudest teams in the NBA in terms of communication. Hmm. I actually don't know to that extent. I know the Raptors, I, obviously, this iteration of the Raptors are talkers. You've are got loud. Mark, Mark are directing loud. people, you've got Kyle directing people, you've got Fred yelling, like, they talk, right? And Pascal I mean, screaming. <laughs> right. The team, yeah, Pascal, oh my God, right? And the Team D, yeah, so it obviously requires that level of talking. You don't get the second best defense in the league being yeah. quiet. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. It's going to be interesting how the dynamic plays out because what if you get to a tight playoff series and your coach has to yell plays and the other team can adjust? Like it becomes interesting then. I, I actually saw a really hilarious comment from Ben Simmons. He's not my favorite personality in the NBA. He's an amazing player, <laughs> um, but he made the funniest comment that um, for the game ops, he's like, "Well, for when it's a Philly home game, they better have some booze when we're not doing well because otherwise it won't feel normal." <laughs> Yeah, just to add to the realism. Yeah. I appreciated that. It was pretty good, pretty funny comment. Okay, so speaking of the NBA and of the bubble, um, so have you been keeping up with this whole Lou Will saga? <laughs> Come on. You know that sex in the bubble is like my favorite topic. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, so... For those who haven't been following, which is kind of hard to uh, believe at this point, um, I, I'm seeing it against my will all over my timeline. Um, but basically, um, I think it was Jack Harlow who had a picture, an image of Lou Will uh, in Magic City in Atlanta um, on his IG uh, wearing the NBA kind of face mask, face covering. So people were like, hey, this guy's out of the bubble heading back home to go to the uh, grand his grandfather's funeral. And he's at uh, the strip club uh, with uh, with rappers. <laughs> so, well, apparently though, Yasmin, it's supposed to, like I'm cracking up, but it's supposed to be one of the best chicken wing places in Atlanta. Yeah, so. I, I totally believe him. So, <laughs> so when uh, I think it was Jack Harlow who responded that um, 
it was an old photo and that we are overreacting uh, only for Lou Will to basically confirm that, yeah, it is indeed him, <laughs> but he was only there for food. So I think he was definitely penalized with um, 10 days in quarantine, which is intense, like 10 days of isolation. Um, and it's kind of like what would have happened if he wasn't caught is my question. Like he could have very easily have not been on that IG photo and this would he would be right back in the bubble, you know, potentially contaminated. So I think it's a totally appropriate um, a result to get that 10 day quarantine. Um, I'm sure I know the NBA did a bit of an investigation. I've seen on some threads uh, another photo. Um, you can't 100 percent tell that it's Lou Will. It looks an awful lot like him um, from the DJ at Magic City. And it looks like Lou Will without a mask. So I'm assuming the NBA would have... Is asked... it when he's not wearing his face mask? Yes. There's another photo, like on one of the threads that I was looking at. Um, and people are saying it looks a lot like Lou Will. It's not 100%, but it's a crisp white t-shirt. Has a lot. has his profile. It's just a bit farther away. I don't know. To me, like, he got an excused absence to go to a family. I think it was a funeral. Maybe a grandparent. Really sad. Yeah. Very yeah. valid. Very valid excuse, but you got, you know, but to me, they have this bubble trying to keep everyone safe. It's very expensive. People's health is at risk. And, and people made a lot of sacrifices to be there, like yeah. leaving their young children and stuff. Exactly. So it's like you get this excused absence. You shouldn't be out at restaurants. I don't care that it was a strip club or, or a restaurant or whatever it is. I mean, that adds to the fun. And the he has the money to order, honestly, to cater. Right. Yeah, and get taken. You could get takeout. You could get like order in. You don't have to like go hang in the in the in a enclosed space, which are the highest risk places for coronavirus. Potentially even without a mask, still a risk with a mask. So to me, I don't even like to call it a punishment. I think what they look at is they assess the situation. They talk to him. They realized he was out. He probably talked to him about the rest of the things he did, and that is the amount of time like where you feel you get. Um, positive sorry negative tests all the way along um you can go out after 10 days like that's an incubation period right and they tend to see symptoms if you're going to have them uh, and the virus you have enough viral load that you'll have a positive test if you've got infected so to me it's a safety issue he yeah. did something higher risk without excuse that he shouldn't have done and that's the maximum penalty it's not again I, i'm not going to use the word penalty it's it's a public health response um, and also, you know, I, I think, think they're probably... making a bit of an example out of him because I feel like if the uh, the quote unquote punishment wasn't adequate, then we'd see a trend of players leaving. But if they know that they may face a 10 day quarantine and potentially miss games with their team, then it would change right. everything, I think. So I think they had to kind Agreed. of go even further because I think the average time for symptoms to occur or a positive test to a positive test to come out of it is like around five days on average. So um going even further than that and just to be extra extra safe is understandable so 100 percent. i i think it's totally valid i mean i've seen some people complain that lou will only got 10 days and he's <laughs> out in the world doing that and like rashawn holmes and bruno caboclo got 10 days for much lower risk behavior but i again i think those like you said are were the first guys that you know violated the rules in the bubble so they they were definitely made an example of right yeah so um, I think we should go on to our weekly dime. Yep. So um, that is a act that we rate 10 out of 10 every week. 
Um, so in this case in particular, I think we should give the props to the WNBA. Uh, they also returned yesterday. I was watching it. Um, I wanted to see Sabrina Lonesco play. Um, I think she's awesome. It was very interesting seeing how they were guarding her. Um, but uh, was it prior to that game in particular when they walked off? I think it was the Liberty game. I think yeah. it was that game. I, I could be wrong. There was... There was another one on later on. I think it was LA, but I'm pretty sure um, it was during the New York and Seattle game. But anyways, uh, prior to the game, they played the national anthem and the players just simply walked off. They didn't bother kneeling. They didn't, you know, link arms or anything. They just simply walked off of the court. Uh, And it's always fascinating for me to see how the WNBA is continuously at the forefront of uh, protest in sports and um, politicizing their game um, in, in ways that help their communities like so effectively. Um, and I don't even know what, what it stems from. I can, I can always say that, you know, um, they are women. They're, I guess they feel uh, a huge obligation to speak on behalf of marginalized communities. Uh, or also that uh, because they're so inadequately paid, like I guess they feel as if they have even less to lose maybe and they feel freer to speak but i've just noticed just continuously with wmba players their their mode of protest is so loud um and so impressive to me as someone who's not in basketball at all so uh, how did you feel about seeing that display oh i loved it i mean i did see all like the footage online and i think i retweeted it i'm very impressed by the wmba and i think a lot of what you say is probably accurate the players um, have strong personal commitment and also they work for a league that has has less money and probably you know the less corporate kind of control over it exactly. than say That's the NBA yeah. yeah and so they the NBA is just much more rigid in their rules I mean I think there's isn't there maybe a rumored rule in the collective bargaining agreement for the NBA that they're not supposed to kneel before the anthem yeah. and I want to yeah come back to that after that. So anyway, I was very impressed. And I think that during the walkout, so it definitely was the storm and the Liberty. I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, doing, I think you'll probably remember they were all wearing black lives matter t-shirts um, that also said, say her name on the back, mm-hmm. which I, it's so cool. And they've dedicated and they're dedicating their entire season. Yeah. Taylor, and I love that they're wearing, to, I love, sorry. I love that they were wearing Say her, say her name shirts because that was the original phrase um, of the the slogan say her name but it was kind of co-opted to say their names when re- really it was to point out um, violence against women uh, in particular so it was really cool seeing them go to the roots of the slogan um, when th- with their protests but anyways continue <laughs> yeah no like so I just I actually am going to use this opportunity to do what kind of Rondé Hollis Jefferson kind of politely called out the Raptors kind of media core, which has done a good job keeping the issues alive, but saying we haven't been hearing as much about the social issues lately in the coverage. People seem to be getting like a little bored of it. So he asked, you know, the media and all of us who follow the league and have somewhat of a public voice to kind of keep the issues alive. So, um, so I had the Liberty and Storm players made a statement that Um, black women are often forgotten for justice, don't have people fighting for them. And it's important just to say her name, Sandra Bland, Atiana Jefferson, Dominique Remy Falls, and Breonna Taylor. We will be a voice for the voiceless. So kudos to them. Um, I'm wondering though, if we could segue a little bit into just 
how you feel about the political activities inside the NBA bubble this week. Um, watching the scrimmages, I did notice a lot of clips, a lot of um, uh, video. Um, I think it was after, I forgot which game, but it might have been after the Lakers game uh, versus Dallas. I don't remember. But after the game, they played a documentary on um, Giannis where it was talking about um, his upbringing in Greece as an African uh, undocumented migrant. Um, and, uh, just, that was just one of many clips, um, talking about social justice, talking about, uh, social change. Um, I wish that they had more organizers, grassroots organizers involved in the process, but it seems that they're towing a line of avoiding any sort of radicalism in the NBA's, um, you know, uh, display of protest and trying to keep it kind of mundane and i want to see palatable for audiences you know what i mean yeah. like nothing i watched challenged me in any way and i don't think it's going to challenge anybody and a lot of players were complaining about that like if you go down to the um list of approved words that they can write on their yeah. jerseys like they're they seem to be towing a line of acceptable protest uh which is annoying like i know there are players out there i'm convinced there are players out there who would love to put defund the police or um something relating to the destruction of you know the police state on their jerseys but yeah they, they would absolutely never have that like they have a they have a deal with the local authorities and the federal government to guard the bubble you know what i mean yeah. so there's right then and there there's a conflict of interest there's a uh there's an issue um in the association right then and there so uh, it's a it's a weird situation. Yeah, it's a weird it situation. Is. Like, how do you even protest when um, the association is signing, you know, paperwork with the entity that you're protesting? <laughs> it's it's yeah, very it's, strange. It's, they're they're definitely a bit compromised because the NBA is so corporate. But one thing I also think is cool is a lot of the players have spoken out saying that they're disappointed by some of that, right? And that the limited messages on the shirts and other things and have made it very clear that they want to do more. And um, I believe it's the Grand Destino teams, the top eight teams in the NBA bubble. It was announced they had a meeting this week. And very interesting. Will, I, yeah, and I think they're to talk about politics and they are all planning to kneel during the first games in the national anthem. Yeah. So I'm pretty interested to see if A, that's true and B, what the NBA's reaction will be. I'm, I'm assuming they won't do anything to stop it because it would be a very bad look, but I also know like there is this rumored rule that they're not allowed to do that. So it's I'm kind of interested to see what goes on there. And I, I'm yeah. glad that the players, and I'm expecting to see a lot more through like creativity and different, act, like we've seen a lot of awareness raising so far, like players talking about Breonna Taylor and the police officers needing to be arrested that shot her um, in their media. Using their screen time. Yeah. Like, did you see that clip of Jalen Brown, um, like literally about to talk about, I think it was Breonna Taylor, and then the Celtics kind of cut it off, like their their broadcast. Like literally before he's, he got into it, they, they cut it off and went back to the um, media room. <laughs> it's so brutal. I mean, they're, they're not cutting them off in the post-game, like kind of, zoom scrums with the local reporters but yeah on the broadcast no i'm gonna go look for that later but 
That's shameful. Not surprising though, right? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm really hoping the players um, will do a lot more, like, and that the league and the teams have a lot more planned, like, through the season. Like, maybe um, a range of donations being announced to, like, certain local organizations that do good work of different types yeah. for, like, Black Lives and uh, racial and economic justice and, you know, uh, police brutality. And yeah. I hope we see, I hope we see some, like, more tangible things kind of announced and prom- promoted beyond awareness raising kind of like what Colin Kaepernick did where he um I, he donated and every month he would donate a portion of it and like he was he was super transparent about it he dedicated a website to showing where every penny was going to and also I think it's important to remember that like the NBA is split it's 51 percent players that own it and then the other 49% is ownership and they've been incredibly quiet. <laughs> like they're the ones who, who reap the benefits of their, the work of their black players. You know what I mean? By, you know, what do they do? They're not the ones who um, give the substance to the NBA. You know what I mean? They're not why we watch it, but they benefit greatly from the um, labor of their players and they've been incredibly quiet. So hundred um, percent. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think I've probably beaten a dead horse on this, but I, I, I'm glad to see activity, however limited it's been so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything is better than nothing, honestly. Like the where world's better than where we were in t- like 2016, where players were, you know, in in any league, were being penalized for saying things. <laughs> exactly. So different now in 2020. But and so to move on, um, that was our weekly day. Uh, we're going to move on to a few questions sent to us by our patrons to close out the show. Um, I thought they were pretty interesting questions, so we're going to cover them. Uh, the first one concerns, I think, a playoff matchup. So it asks, it's from Danish Zahur, would you rather the Raptors face LeBron and the Lakers or Kawhi and the Clippers? And we get asked this question a lot, and I feel like <laughs> the answer is pretty unanimous. Um for me personally, I would much rather the Raptors face the Lakers. I think that uh, from a basketball standpoint, it's a better matchup for their style of play. Um, and also, there's the whole uh, LeBron James narrative. So to have the Raptors um, kind <laughs> of um, close that chapter of the organization and perhaps beat LeBron in a playoff series, like the, the opportunity for so many narratives is there. So I think viewership would be great. Um and also, I love the way the Lakers play. Like, they have, like, this very bombastic, like, um, uh, showtime style of play that's very visually entertaining. And I think um, a, versus a Raptors team, that's also very fun and, you know, athletic and bouncy. And they have great passing and great highlight highlight ability. <laughs> um, 100%. I think the match would be really fun, whereas... Um, with the Clippers, first of all, I think it would be such a bad look for our old finals MVP to face us in the series. Um, and also, I think it's a tougher matchup for the Raptors. I think their style of play, their help-heavy style of play is punished more when you have a team with two um, stars. You know what I mean? So, um, uh, Sorry, when you have two stars and multiple shooting threats and multiple scoring threats, whereas with the Lakers, it tends to be an emphasis on AD and LeBron. So I think that would be yeah. a more matchup what about you Sarah no I I 100% agree with that like I think the Clippers are deeper um have a style that's more likely to punish the Raptors um and uh 
you know, the Lakers are missing a bunch of guys right now, as are though, frankly, so, as are the Clippers. So yeah, um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I think it was that out. they're missing like five guys. Right. It That's was like, insane. it was actually amazing how intransparent the teams have been. And I know others have talked about this more, so I'm not going to go on about it, but shocking to see the Clippers down five guys this week, right? Like Subach and Lou Will and Pat Bev and yeah. And the Lakers are down a few guys, as we know, but yeah, yeah. like you, I would also love the opportunity to, to like dead Lebronto. Yeah, <laughs> just finally bury that. <laughs> of course, it could just be a resurgence of it, but you know, to me, better that than have a new narrative like about Kawhi or or not even new, just like that the Raptors never would have won without Kawhi. Which yes, okay, we know the Raptors needed Kawhi to win, Absolutely, but it, yeah. but it wasn't only Kawhi, and I I think. That narrative annoys the heck out of me. It really undersells how good that team was. Yeah. Getting to the finals period would be a win because it means that they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, right. That's huge. <laughs> that's like already highlight worthy. That's amazing. <laughs> and so moving on to our next question from Arun Srinavazan. Um, they ask, well, they say rather, congratulations on the Patreon launch. Uh, looking forward to premium content. I wanted to ask why there seems to be a disparity between the way Nick Nurse evaluates Patrick McCaw and how the fan fa- how the fan base feels about him. Is the McCaw criticism unfair, <laughs> levy too often, or perhaps he's Nurse's irrational favorite? Um, was curious to see how you all feel about this and whether the premise holds up. <laughs> I have these existentialist questions when I see him play too, but honestly... Uh, I was watching a, uh, I think it was a, a highlight reel of the Raptors Warriors game where Steph Curry played his first game back recently, and I see McCaw's value there. I think they're taking a player that's kind of been, I guess, whose value has been kind of forgotten, and trying to build up his value so he becomes more of a, um, like an asset that can bring in return for them, um, and. I see it like he's defensively great. His three-pointer is coming along. Like, it's not great yet. He's a good passer. He's a decent ball handler. I don't see him as, um, I don't see anything wrong with him being a third-ranked, like, point guard on a team that's very low on point guards. So, right. if you think about it, our two point guards start, they're the backcourt. <laughs> so, um, I don't think Patrick McCaw is the worst option um, to- have off the bench and yeah. in my eyes like if you're defensively solid and you can handle the ball then you'll be fine on this team yeah and I, I agree with I agree with all that and and you know to answer like be very direct why is there a disparity between how Nick Nurse evaluates McCaw and the fan base well I think we all know the answer is because Nick Nurse knows more <laughs> than the fan base I mean I, I, I he's a solid defender uh, and Yes, there's flaws in his game, as there is with everybody. But in particular, when you start getting to the middle, to the end of the of the roster, there's like glaring weaknesses. But Pat McCaw knows the system, and Nick Nurse trusts him. And I think we certain guys, you know, like Terrence Davis, particularly, is the name that comes up. That you know, all the fans and and some really smart basketball people want to see ahead of Pat McCaw, and maybe we will. Like I think we don't know what the matchups are going to be in you know, the eight seeding games and the playoffs. But, you know, I could see it being a, a matter of Nick being like, it takes a while to learn defense. Pat knows this. 
Um, you know, Terrence is great, um, but he has to show me he knows this defense, right? We, we yeah. are, we, we defend, <laughs> right? And I think he's really, the Raptors' identity is like, we defend first. And if you can defend and be valuable on that end, you know, you win your minutes. And obviously, I don't think Nick Nurse is an idiot. Like, he knows what Terrence can bring. He can be a real spark. And he'll get better. I mean, he's so amazing. We never thought he'd be this good, right? So, um, yeah. So, anyway, probably more. And, and, yes, I also groan and sigh when Pat McCaw gets too many minutes. And it can be a bit painful. At the same time, I kind of want to tone that down because I kind of feel bad at, after a little bit of it. I think it gets a bit over the top. And we know that McCaw probably sees it. And I end up feeling a little bit bad about it because I think it's a bit much, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So the last question here is from Jacqueline Pascucci. Um, she says, thank you for putting out such a great podcast, really enjoying it. I think Miami this year has been so fun to watch and has pr- surpassed everyone's expectations. Would you be more concerned about the Raptors in a series against the Heat or in a series against Boston? So you go ahead and answer that first. Well, I'll start my basic answer. I'm more worried about Boston, personally. I mean, I think... The Heat, Bam is a, a crazy, amazing defender. And, you know, Pascal, the one game they played against the Heat, certainly didn't do well against Bam. I think it was like maybe one of five. or I don't, it was not great. But it was like early in the season. They haven't played a lot. And we all know that the Raptors, A, save a lot <laughs> for the playoffs. They experiment. And Pascal has a lot of growth. I don't think the team, you know, the Heater is good. I mean, Jimmy... And Bam are great players, top 10, 15 players even, um, depending on your view. Um, but I don't see them like I, you know, Jason Tatum is also potentially that good, if not better. Kemba Walker is excellent. They have more players and better defense and more depth. And you know, Tatum could be taking a superstar turn, right? Yeah. I'm much more worried about them. I don't know if you could go, you know, further into depth on that matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Raptors have shown that um, I, I. It's weird because I, I think they can beat both teams um, at full strength if everyone's healthy. I think they can beat both teams. Um, I'd say the tougher matchup, like those series that would go longest, would probably be. It's a tough one because I feel like the Heat having Bam like gives them the ability to kind of cut the head of the snake off. Yeah, it's true. Make it a little difficult for the Raptors to operate, but at the same time, um, in a series versus the Celtics, like it, it would be more taxing for Kyle to guard or Kyle or Fred VanVleet to guard um, Kemba um, to deal with Jason, uh, Jason Tatum to deal with Jalen Brown and Gordon yes. Hayward. I feel like they have a lot of weapons, less depth and less shooting, but still a lot of weapons. Um, yeah, so. <sighs> I, I honestly can't decide. I think my answer is that I can't decide because I can see Jimmy Butler giving um, our smaller point guards some work. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm giving Jason. So I, either way, I think that they win the series, but they're but both would be quite competitive. I, I see yeah. both going to six or seven games. So I, what, yeah, I, I, I agree that they both be super tough series and fun. And I yeah. wouldn't yeah. like I wouldn't be excited about seeing either of them in on one level, but on the other level, like. But really fun matchups. Celtic series would be especially fun because I feel oh, like yeah. um, 
Jason and Pascal would both both go off and we I it's weird because I feel like Pascal can guard Jason very well but Jason can't handle Pascal because he's a little stronger and a little bigger um which makes it tougher uh so I feel like that matchup for Raptors fans will be very fun because we probably guaranteed a good series from Pascal whereas the Miami one might be a little more like nails on a chalkboard <laughs> when it comes to watching so yeah that's, and, that's and we all my know point. yeah sorry we all know the boss we really want to see the Celtics like oh, yeah. I, don't think the, I don't think the teams care that much which one it is in terms of like rivalry but we all Boston fan bases are kind of itching to go at each other a bit yeah yeah I think it's um much needed uh for for basketball for Eastern Conference <laughs> basketball to see like the two um best teams aside from the Bucks go at it yeah so those are all of the questions um any uh last remarks Sarah yeah just it was great great to finally do a podcast with you yeah, yeah we've done one me and your me and uh, you just the two of us so I don't think I've been on any with you yeah so that was a lot of fun and it's just great to have the NBA back despite all my reservations it sure is a shot in the arm of fun in the midst of this kind of like hard dull depressing time yeah i agree with you there um so thank you so much for listening guys um check out the patreon uh it should be attached to our twitter account pin tweet so um i insist you guys check it out and thank you so much for listening have a great one (laughs) have a great day everybody